Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Jordan Rohana. She lets us in on a little bit of her journey and what it's been like growing her dressage program and some struggles along the way. So hope you enjoy. So I'm Jordan Rohana. I'm originally from Humboldt County, California, and I moved down to Sonoma County in 1999. And that's about, about the time I started my business, actually. It was in 2000, 2001. Started kind of early. <laughs> early as in your, like your age was early? Yeah. How old were you? 16. 16. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you, did you ever have any other jobs? No. No, okay. that was it. That was it. So I rode as a kid. I actually started riding when I was five years old. Uh, on my fifth birthday, my parents got me a little birthday ride on a school horse. Well... It was like a trail lesson kind of program down the road. And again, we were living in the middle of nowhere um, up in Hamill County. So it was kind of uh, it was kind of serendipitous that they were just down the road. So I got a little birthday ride when I was five and I was hooked. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was it. I was done. Yeah. So uh, my sister got a horse and we got to got to ride her. I think I got a horse of my own about two years later. Eventually we moved down here and um, I started working with Vicki Wall Kelly um, and she was in Sebastopol. And was she dressage? She was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When did, is that officially when you started kind of the dressage route? No, I actually started taking dressage lessons up in Humboldt County. So I worked with Megan Johnson, who's now in Oregon. And I worked with Carrie Harnden, 11, 12 years old. I got, I got into that. And so. it's pretty uncommon for that young to get into dressage, right? Very, yeah. Well, back then, yes, it was more, it was a little more normal. Now I feel like there's really not a junior presence in our sport. Do you I have just, a thought on why that is? Yes, I think it's, I think dressage is really hard. And I, you know, I think unfortunately, as, as our generations are going on, kids are getting less and less about hard work and a little bit more about instant gratification. Yeah. And they also like the thrill. So I'm seeing a lot more kids in hunter jumpers and jumpers, some barrel racing, this, that, and the other, but dressage does not seem to be what they want to do. Yeah. So unfortunately, it seems like it's dying out a little bit. Yeah. Why do you think it sparked your interest? I always liked the technical aspect about it. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was really challenging and something, something just scratched my brain the right way. And I did, I did play around with jumping. I did everything. I did, you know, trail riding and Gymkhana and jumping and, uh, you know, you name it, I tried it out. I don't know, dressage just fit for me. Like really early on, 12, 13, it really clicked for me and it was something I wanted to do. When did you first start showing? Like what was your first show like? Oh, <laughs> well, when I first started showing, I was, I was little, little. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't do dressage shows until probably, yeah, probably about 12 years old. But my first show was like a Gymkhana when I was six years old. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then kind of moved on to some, you know, just basic other and English writing. So like eight, nine years old, that kind of thing. But when I really started getting into showing dressage, I was probably, well, maybe 14, 15. It was right after I moved down here into Sonoma County and right after I uh, started working with Vicki. And she's really who inspired me. I actually have her to thank for kind of starting my business. And she gave me the opportunity to work with young horses, horses that she had bred, that she needed started and helped with. You know, she just made it so much, so fun. And I don't know, it was, it was just a, a really wonderful introduction 
So when I was 16, I got my license to drive and she said, well, there's a couple clients I can't, you know, I don't have time to service, but they have a little spot at their house and you can go ride their horses and, you know, charge them $10 or whatever it was. Back when gas was affordable and you could drive around. Um, And when $10 was like a decent amount of money. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Totally worth it. Yeah. I think, I think I did like, like, yeah, uh, one horse for 10 and two for 15 or, you know, something like that. So that's how I started. And then I would like take on my own clients and it started to build from there. So it was really, it was really Vicky that gave me the opportunity to, to kind of get out there and start. And did you know early on that you had that entrepreneur kind of like brain and I did. yeah yeah because my mom did ah okay yeah yeah <laughs> so they were were your parents kind of all about you getting out there yeah kind of you know I think my mom had started many businesses in, in during my childhood so I was very very inspired by that that seemed normal to me to actually work for yourself um, my dad's an RN he's been an RN for over 35 years so he's always had a very consistent job and just an amazing career wasn't something I wanted to do yeah, he said, you can make a lot of money doing this. And I said, I'm sure you can, but I, I think I like the horses better than the people. And then I learned <laughs> that... <laughs> Gotta work with the people too. You have to work with the people. Yeah, it's a huge part of it. Yeah. And that really didn't come until later. Because I was always a natural with riding and always a natural with the horses, but the people were confusing to me. And I was, I've always been an empath and I've always you know, been very good with with people much older than me. So there was a lot of uh, playing psychologist, you know, uh, late teens throughout my 20s when I had no business helping people with their personal problems, really needed to hone in more on the horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know how to say no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did you go to college? I did. Okay. So what's interesting about that, and again, this is another another funny thing, I was homeschooled from about 10 until 14, and then I went and took the California High School Proficiency exam, so I tested out. So by 14 and a half, 15, I had my legal high school uh, diploma. GED, yeah, I think basically. It's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then I went to the JC uh, from 15 to 18, and I studied everything I possibly could. So I would take a couple, couple classes a semester and just I'll see if I liked anything. Real estate courses, psychology, delved into all areas of education, got really into dance. I've always, I always liked to dance as a kid, so I took a lot of dance courses. And after three years, I looked back and realized I've been working for myself for two years already. I want to do this. Much to my, much to my mother's dismay. (laughs) She thought, well, you really need to go, you need to go to college. You need to go get a degree at, you know, Sonoma State. What if working for yourself doesn't work out? Um, Backup plan. Yeah. (laughs) So her brain Yeah. So, so I didn't and it did work out. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have a college degree. I, uh, I do have a high school diploma, if you will. And I just got right into it like really early and had no idea that I was running a business. Yeah. I was just riding horses and teaching people and they happened to pay me for it. That was a funny way to start. <laughs> Why do you think those people, I know you kind of took on clients from Vicky was her name. Yeah, Vicky, yeah. But like, why do you think they chose you at that time at such a young age? Well, I think that, I, you know, I'm not sure because I, I don't remember doing a whole lot of, uh, you know, advertising or anything like that. I think it was really word, word of mouth. And I was young, I was cheap, I was happy to come to your home and work with your horse, which was kind of a niche business back then. Well, it's a, 
it was more common then that you can't really find too many people that will go to your home now. But most people are set up at barns. And I, I really, I didn't know that that was an opportunity or a possibility that I could do that. I just assumed that I, I needed to, to do whatever I needed to do to keep my business going. So the people that trained with me, they just, they knew they were friends of the clients that I had taken on. Mm -hmm. And those people would, oh, you know, she comes to my house. She worked with my four-year-old. She got him going. I can trail ride him now. He does a little bit of dressage. He can leg yield. It's great. Here's your number, call her. And that went on for years. And I, you know, every time I think, oh gosh, I need to advertise. I need to, you know, fill a stall or something. By the next day, I've got somebody calling me. So it's really cool. It's kind of continued over the years. And do you remember the first time you did move into a barn and not have to go to people? When was that? Yeah, late in the career, way too late. I was looking at a sale horse with a client one time. We went to a barn and lovely young woman showed us the horse. The horse ended up not being for the client really, but uh, I ended up chatting with the gal and I called her later on and I said, hey, I got a question. I've been on the road for a really long time, servicing people at their own places. You know, I called her up and I said, how did you get into the barn like how did that work out did they did they interview you did you did were they looking for a trainer is this your own business did how how did you do it and she said oh i was just looking for a place to train and i called them and they had an open spot and i moved my business in and i said it's that you just asked you just asked for what you wanted (laughs) weird concept that's amazing yeah i thought what a trip i really okay so i can just do that and and this was what early 20s it must have been early, like early, like right after 30. Ah, okay. Yeah. So a long time that you yeah. were road warriors, what yeah. the vets have called it. I would say 31 was when I ended up at, at Fairwind Farm in Santa Rosa. Okay, so that was your first landing spot. And yeah. did you go and just ask? I actually, so I contacted a few places just to see what, you know, if they had trainers there or what was going on. And I contacted, it was Sue Curry at the time. And I was so intimidated because I read the website and I learned more about Sue and I went, oh my God, I have no business contacting somebody who's been in the industry this many years and owns her own facility and is a judge and, you know, has been a coach for this. There's no way she would be interested in, in me whatsoever. So I called her and she goes, oh yeah, I know who you are. And I, and I thought, oh my God, how? <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> she said, I, you know, I've seen you at shows and stuff. First time anyone recognized who I was. One and, and two that that maybe I maybe I did belong in this industry and maybe maybe I, I was worth starting a business at a big you know facility and taking on a real clientele instead of just kind of you know doing everything I could to just keep the business going. So I came out and she said, well, just ride a horse for me because I want to make sure if there's a trainer coming to my barn who who I know but I don't know very well that they can put a horse together and I'm that what she's heard is yeah. what right. you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That I can hop on a horse and do okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can stay on. Yeah. Yes. So I, I rode one of the horses she bred and she's like, eh, you're great. You go ahead and move your business in here. And I and I said, great. I don't have any clients who want to move in. They all have their own places. So I'm going to do my very best to just kind of start. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to start accumulating now. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I had my I had my young warm blood I had just purchased a year before. And I really needed to, to get him into a bigger facility. I had him at a friend's place. And I've been working with their horses for, for many years. And they were wonderful. I didn't want to move them. But I, I needed to needed to have my professional horse, a professional you know, the, the next step. Yeah, do the next 
next step, exactly. So I made that big jump and moved him and one of my clients was looking for, for a horse for herself. And so we actually located one within, I think uh, probably a week before we moved in. I moved in with one client and one horse of my own. <laughs> That's amazing. And then you just slowly grow. So do you yeah. remember the process of it growing and yeah. like how that I happened? Do. I do, it snowballed and it was really cool. So the first month I had the two horses there and I was still servicing clients. Within three months, I had to say goodbye to all of them. Uh, oh, wow. The, the, the full clients I, yeah. I, yeah, that I was visiting at their homes because it built that fast. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it was cool. And a trainer had left. And so there was a few people kind of looking for somebody. And I got approached by one of the clients I still have to this day, Jackie. And she came up and said, I've been watching you and I really like how you ride and you teach. Would you like to ride my horse once a week? And now that horse is retired. We have him on pasture. She has two Lusitanos, both are in full training. One I've taken up through schooling I1, I2, and the other one is uh, is a young prospect for upper levels as well. That's cool. So it developed into a really long-term relationship, which was really neat. That's yeah. the ideal client, oh, right? Yeah, that absolutely. you get to just progress together. Oh, totally. Yeah, and, and we're like family. It's <laughs> it's really neat. So I so I picked up a bunch a uh, bunch more people uh, while I was there. Decided after about two years, it wasn't quite the right fit for me. That I wanted something a little bit different. And I went out and searched and, and ended up over at Woodbridge Farm. So and then we were there for about three and a half years. When I left, you know, when you when you go in and out of barns, you lose clients. Whether it's that you're moving di- you're moving distances. The person has an affinity for that facility that you're leaving. Politics, <laughs> all of it, all yeah. of it. So when I picked up from from uh, Farron and went to Woodbridge, I think I left with five horses. One of them was my own. So I built this huge. You know, I had twelve horses, including my own, in full training, and I left with four clients. And that sucked. <laughs> it's hard, but it's a decision yeah. that you have to make for yourself and yeah. for your business. Absolutely, absolutely. And then it built like a wildfire overnight again and then I didn't know what to do I had two almost too many and I juggled and I I busted my ass between working uh, not just with the horses I had in my in my program but also I had a, a, a lot of Holland students and I was running clinics on the weekends the weekends that I wasn't actually at my own barn teaching lessons to people who were hauling it and I was coming in around 100 hours a week whoo yeah and what were you doing at that time to take care of yourself I was not Ah. Yeah. So I, I burned out in my head about two or three times a week. Yeah. What did that look like? Uh, it did not look like anything from the outside. It really didn't. I mean, I know the clients knew that I was a little stressed, but I always kept a smile on my face and I ran things and I kept, kept everything going, you know, didn't miss a, didn't miss a step. But I was looking at, well, well, what, what, what now? Like what, if I burn out, what do I do? This is all I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other option. There's no other option. And at that point I'd been doing it for over 20 years. So what do you do after 20 years if you decide this is not for me? Do you go back to school? Like the last thing I want to do is sit in front of a book and study. Uh, I love horses. It's what I want to do. Dressage is something that just, it, it fuels my soul. It's who I am. I got I to gotta change something is, is what I came up with. Was there a breaking point specifically that you can remember? So many. <laughs> <laughs> the last so many. one might be the actual one. There were like almost. Yeah. And then- yeah, I, I think when all of my clients started to, to what, like sit me down and be like, look, I don't know that anyone can handle what you're handling. This seems like a lot. 
at, like if if you if you need to like fire some people or something, I hope it's not me, but I would totally understand. We love you, and we don't want to see you burn out. You know, you you have no social life. Uh, you have no time with your partner. You are never at home. You're at the barn seven days a week. Really, something needs to give. You need balance. And so I listened to that for about a year, and then finally decided, okay. It's not going to happen here. I've got to. I've got to do because there's so, there's such an opportunity to fill so many stalls, and it's being encouraged, and people really know me here. I need to like pick up and re, I just need to redo. So I either I redo or I'm done, and so I redone. Yeah. And I picked up ten, and I left, and now now I'm here at Jazz Creek. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't too long ago, right? That no, was... that was one year ago. One yeah, year ago, June first, two thousand twenty-one. And, and did. The 10 choose you or you chose the 10? I think actually, you know how everything kind of falls together as things look like they're falling apart mm -hmm. or vice versa? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Everything that's meant to be will be even yeah. if in the moment it feels chaotic. Yeah. So horses, just the, the ones that wanted to go, wanted to go. And the, oh, and the clients. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and the ones that did, there were horses that were being sold at the very last minute. Uh, there were people that were moving out of the area. So the timing worked out. And then there were clients that, you know, maybe it wasn't a good fit any longer. And uh, it, was, it was better that they either stay or they, or they find another trainer or whatnot. So it was fantastic. It just kind of, whew, it just worked. It was amazing. So moved in with 10 and then I had a whole bunch of changes <laughs> for the first, first six months. I, you know, one of my dearest clients uh, moved out of state. Another one went, went to school. And so his horse went into, uh, uh, went into pasture uh, for, not indefinitely, but you know, while he's, while he's away. Another client and I ended up not working out. It wasn't quite a fit. It was more sales and I don't do sales. I, I get a little too attached to the horses. Mm -hmm. uh, additionally, I don't want to do what you have to do to get them ready and package them and get them on the market. And it's just not my thing. I'm in it for the long haul. I really, I, you know, if, if it was up to me, I would get all four-year-olds and I'd see them until they were 20 and um, and then and then somehow provide retirement for them. <laughs> <laughs> By just a bunch of land somewhere. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. So that, that chapter ended and then before they were even moved out with a couple of the sale horses, I had two more wanting to move in. Um, at that point, the number settled at nine and I went, huh, this feels really good. I've got one of my own and I have eight client horses. And this is nine horses that I either need to ride or coach people on per day. Whew, this feels really good. Yeah. And I locked it in and I went, this is how I'm going to do it. And this is how I'm going to do it unless I decide that this is burning me out for any reason or I want to do something else. This is, this is perfect. And that's where I am. Sounds perfect. That's yeah. great. And yeah. you had to go through some of that turmoil to kind of figure out for sure. that that's yeah. the number. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that that's what happens when you get into business without knowing you're in business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just take on the work because you, you're, you're young and you're energetic and you're hungry and you love it and it's so much fun. And all these people are, oh, I want to come train with you. And you it's hard to say no. Hours. Couldn't say no. Couldn't yeah. say no for 20 years. I couldn't say no. And, and it turns out when you, when you say no to things that aren't working out for you, almost immediately the things that do find you. Yeah. yeah. What point in your career did you hire an assistant? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I worked for 18 years uh, by myself. Yeah. 
So nobody ever worked for me. I never had any working students, never any employees, no grooms. It was all me. Uh, even with all the full training horses, it was all me. Didn't even charge for grooming. I didn't know that you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that can segue into, that's got to be our conversation about communal connection and chatting with colleagues and, and being able to learn from, from what other people are doing, which is now finally something that I've integrated into the business is actually having colleague connections and cool. friends that are also in this. And we can text each other and go, hey, what do you do when? Yeah. <laughs> or what do you charge for this? Yes, or, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Am I completely out of out of? I mean, am I paying? Am I charging hundred dollars too much, or am I charging two hundred dollars too too little? I, I have no idea. You know, what's the industry standard? Until we talk to each other, we have no idea. And so, with hiring an assistant, yeah. how what did that process look like for you? Yeah. So or when was, did you decide like I need somebody? Yeah, yeah. I realized at some point, you know, having somebody fifteen or so hours a week would really help. Because uh, I was struggling. I had like, I think, uh, 10 or 11 horses and uh, almost all of them were in full training. And, I, you know, I was working from 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if none of the clients showed up for, you know, for a day, that was all on me. And that was, that was really hard. And I have a really high standard of how I want horses kept, you know, how they're cared for and groomed and handled. and. Horsemanship has always been important to me, so just ripping them out of stalls and throwing tack on them and getting them through their, you know, through their session, it's not an option. It's just not an option to me. So I hired a hired a student of mine and someone uh, who was taking lessons from you already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah just yeah, we literally had just done a few lessons, and then we oh, I was starting to starting to teach over at Hunter Lane, doing some clinics over there. So this young guy was just really wonderful, really, really good with horses. And we started chatting a while into, you know, probably a few months into teaching her lessons. And, you know, she, it wasn't actually her. It was, I think it was our, it was the owner of Hunter Lane, Margaret Wintercorn, who's a dear friend of mine. And she said, you know, this kid would really like to come work for you. And I said, you know what? I really need somebody. This would be really good. Things <laughs> so, happen for a reason. Yeah. And I thought, well, how do I charge the clients for this? You know, like, how does this work? Because I've never charged anyone for grooming, but I have to pay this person either in lessons or cash yeah. or whatever. So again, another learning experience, how to do that. And it was amazing. I remember the first week, even though we had a few misunderstandings and trying to figure out, like, I got to be a boss and I have an employee. This is so strange. It was still amazing to get a horse handed to me you know I would go through my 45 minute session with them and turn around and there's another horse ready and I went oh my gosh <laughs> saves you like the 20 minutes 15 oh, 20 minutes that so you would much take. so much more and I think when you've got if you really do things well from start to finish pulling a horse out grooming tacking warming up a session cooling down you know, rinsing the horse off, cleaning the tack, and putting everything away without rushing. We're talking about bare minimum two hours. I don't have that. That's two hours. If I have 10 horses, it's 20 hours in a day. So that's impossible. Not enough for sleep. Not enough for sleep. No. <laughs> you also have to like maybe drive home. You yeah. also have to like eat something at oh, some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, none of that was happening. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I thought maybe just sleeping at the barn would be a good idea. So she she helped me immensely and she worked for me for a few years. That was really, really cool. And then recently I've, I've hired a wonderful, very professional groom. And he's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. He's got almost 10 years in the industry and he is just amazing. The horses look beautiful and the care is top-notch and it really matches with the quality of the business that I've been trying to build for a long time or the quality of business that I now know I wanted <laughs> yeah how did you find him I found him well I just did a, a Facebook post 
So I'm finding that social media is incredibly helpful in this industry as far as connecting people. And also, um, yeah, yeah, horse, horse sales, I suppose, it certainly is a, is a big one. I've, the last two horses that I found for clients were advertised on Facebook. So, so that's really nice. Yeah, just put out a post, you know, put out my business and said, hey, Rohan Dressage is looking for a girl. And, and I got all these resumes. It was great. It was, it was really, really easy. And how did you decide? So at the time when you were trying to figure out what to pay the grooms and all of that, yeah. how did you actually connect with other people at the time? Yes. And I think, you know, as things evolve, because we're talking about paying a kid to do part-time work and then she ended up working full-time and we both ended up working way too much uh, at the last uh, facility. I was at right. too many horses, too much work. You know, I think, going from that to then transferring into a, an adult professional groom not just a kid who's wonderful she's great at riding great at grooming but again the expenses are different we're talking about somebody who who has a family to support in the county and i and i got a, a big rude awakening recently what grooms actually make you know professional grooms and and what they should make what they should too. make what they should make exactly yeah there's people that are still paying really bad wages but the ones that are getting paid well they're getting paid well you know so that was so that was another learning curve and talking to the clients and saying this is what it's going to cost you know I, I can't do it for free and i don't have the time and so we need a professional and yeah <laughs> yeah another learning curve yeah, you're gonna yeah. keep coming yes yeah i think that's kind of the uh, the feeling of 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 this business in this industry is constant learning curves and things are always changing not just the industry but everything around it so if there's you know a financial change in the world such as gas prices and you know production prices and everything rent prices how housing costs all that stuff your business has to grow with it. And, and I really didn't see the correlation until the last few years that uh, the, the business has to grow with the economy as well. Yeah, did definitely. Not, yeah, did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you have your own gelding. Yeah, I do. So tell me about him and yeah. kind of your show life. Yeah, so I got him, I, I met him just before he turned five. I finally decided, I, I got my first young horse when I was very young, I was about 14, and I had him for 21 years, and he was, I, you know, I read him, I took him up through, I think I showed up through fourth level and played with pre-St. George, he was an Anglo-Arab. Hmm, yeah. cute. Yeah, he's really <laughs> very cute, he's 16-1, he was not tiny, but he was lovely, he was a sweetheart. And then I decided, uh, I said about seven years ago, I really need to have my own, you know, talented warm blood. I'm gonna to have to get something young. That's I, I'm not sponsored by any means. I'm gonna to have to get something I can afford. So it's probably gonna be a two-year-old. <laughs> and so I started a search. I found what I thought that I was going to get. It was a three-year-old mare. Uh, it was a Sandra hit lines. It was lovely. It was up in Oregon. I traveled up there all day just to find out she had a clubbed hoof. <laughs> but they could have sent you a photo they of could have, they could have they did not she lied it was terrible it was so sad but i was really really held on hell bent on getting a mare i really wanted a nice mare why is that i don't know seven okay. years ago i wanted a mare <laughs> did, the first one was a gelding yeah so maybe you maybe just wanted not. a different sure sure and i was i was seeing the value in a really good mare so i thought well that's that's what i want so Anyway, that didn't work out, and then a client of mine said, well, I'm sorry that didn't work out, but I actually know this lady down in Sanford Mountains, Helen Dilworth, and she's been breeding Swedish Warmbloods for years. Mm. And uh, she said, I, I don't know that they're the fanciest horses in the whole wide world, but 
She breeds really sweet horses. They've got great brains. Maybe she's got something for you. So I went down there, she had two mares and a gelding. And I really like the mares on her on her website, but it wasn't all that updated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? that happens. Uh, yes, so the gelding was like, meh. You know, I looked at him like, eh, he's kind of a scrawny three-year-old, it's fine. So met the mares. Actually, I walked into the barn and Tasman, who's now my horse, was in one of the stalls and he stuck his head out and looked at me and I looked at him and I went, oh my God. You just got that feeling? I just, yeah. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> and I actually, because he was so magnificent, his energy was so incredible. I thought that he was, he belonged to Helen. That was one of her, one of the horses she had saved for herself or for a trainer or something. And I was like, wow, this one's really nice. And she said, that's Tasman. And I went, oh, I, I saw him on the site, but he looked like kind of a gawky three-year-old. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't really update the site very much, but this is him now. And I was just starstruck. And I said, well, let's, I guess, go meet the mares. And I met them, and they were both very sweet, but he just watched me. As soon as I mm-hmm. came to the barn, he just watched my every move. Uh, okay, all right. So pulled him out, played around with him. He had probably... 20 rides on him he really wasn't I mean he had been started but then put back so yeah. many times as he kept growing so she said well he hasn't really been ridden in many many months but you're welcome to just like lunge him and sit on him every you want and I did and I was I was in love absolutely in love played with the mares as well but it was done yeah it was just done once that look got given yeah absolutely <laughs> oh yeah he picked me it was it was it was a we- it was a weird thing to happen I had heard about it you know, and I've, I've dealt with clients going in and seeing horses. Oh, I fell in love with them. It hadn't happened to me until then. It was pretty amazing. We did a vet check. He had bone chips uh, in his front feet. <laughs> cool. <laughs> great. So not a great way to start. Helen was really cool. I said, I can't really afford surgery and buying a horse. So she said, well, no worries. I'll, uh, I'll do the surgery and I'll rehab him here. And if he's still sound as he is now, because he wasn't unsound, I was more more preventative as he starts going into work. Then you can buy him for a discounted rate. Oh wow! I said great. Not only will she do the surgery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a great lady. Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> other things. He has sugars. Oh okay. <laughs> Did you know that at the time? Yeah. Yeah. I found that out of the vet check. So. Yeah, so between the uh, chip removal surgery and then uh, the shivers, so he has mild neurology, he's not hes not terrible. He actually is, is fine. He can back up and he can piaf and he can do all of the things. When he walks down hills, he goes lateral. It's hilarious. He goes both lefts, both rights, both lefts, both rights. Reverse. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then when he's standing in the crosshairs, he has to move over like this to the side instead of up. So it's pretty cute. As long as you warn whoever's Absolutely. asking. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, my farrier knows about it. Everybody knows about it. So, yeah. yeah. But other than that, he's fine. He did have some, like, you know, mild arthritic condition, even as a five-year-old. So, yeah. So, he wasn't a great, he wasn't a great option, but he's what I could afford. And they told me exactly what I needed to do to take care of him for the rest of his life and what he would need, that he'd be a little more expensive. And it was like, yeah, it's whatever. He's mine. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's been an interesting road. We've had quite a few, quite a few situations where he's needed rehab, just some random things that have happened. He needed tie-back surgery. He uh, got his leg stuck in the fence at one point and nearly killed himself. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. How old is he now? How long <laughs> he ago He just turned 12. Okay. Yeah, and currently rehabbing a collateral ligament injury. Yeah, so something he must have done in turnout. There's like... There, nothing I can think of other than he was just having a good time. Flinging himself around. Yeah, yeah he's, well, he's very athletic. I've made him very athletic. <laughs> yeah, 
Did yeah. you do much showing with him? I have, yeah. In fact, we were supposed to debut at Pre St. George in February. Okay. Yeah, I just got a new tailcoat and everything. I was ready. Keep it. I know oh, it's gonna Your time happen. Will come. It's gonna happen. It's gonna yeah. happen. So we're just in that long, you know, painful, painful place of rehab right now. But he was going really well at fourth level last year, schooling pre St. George. He is my first uh, owned warm blood. I I never had one until like I bought him. Cool. I never had the money to. You know, I don't I don't come from any financial backing at all. You know, my parents parents were you know middle middle of the road uh, income. And I was expected to pay for everything if I wanted it, which was wonderful. I, it really made me very motivated. Work ethic. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. He's my project. Cool. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully you'll get there with him I hope soon. So. I hope so. I just got back on him a week ago. Cool. Yeah. yeah. How did that feel? Amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he probably thought that too. He did actually. He's got a real, real look of oh, finally I got my purpose back. He's been very tired of watching me ride all the other horses. Yeah. Do you show any of the other clients' horses? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do some professional competition as well. And I specialize in young horse development and I'll pick them up through the levels. I've got a couple of young horses in the program now and I have a couple of horses that my clients have that have uh, uh, some FEI training on uh, that I'm bringing back into that FEI work. So hopefully having having a couple of pre-St. George and I won horses going out this year as well, in addition to the young guys. Yeah. yeah. And do you do mostly like the local shows? Mm, not so much the local. I mean, local, yes, as in California. Yeah, Northern California. I love going to Rancho Marietta. It's one of my favorite spots. Star Vaughn is wonderful as well. So that kind of local and that it's a couple of hours away and we do stay and, uh, you know, stay in the RVs on site. It's really fun. It's kind of like camping. Uh, camping and horse showing all at the same time so yeah. a couple of my favorite activities <laughs> what do you like about those places like specifically i think they're really well set up for for a multi-day show i think uh, particularly with with rancho marietta it's amazing what they've done i don't know who all owns it i know it's kind of a kind of a collaborative effort but it's pretty incredible uh what they've put into it as far as uh, most arenas now are covered which is fantastic uh, it's in Sacramento area, so it gets quite hot. Yeah. Uh, but they've, you know, all of the wash racks and the stabling, it just, it runs so smoothly. They've got that lovely Rancho Marriott Cafe, you know, or, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's really, really nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And probably part of the experience is going there and staying in the RV and doing oh, all of totally. that instead of like showing locally, you know, 20 minutes from here yeah. and then yeah. kind of just going back and, to your house. And I do. Yeah. I think, I think the problem is so many places have shut down in this area and our biggest show location in the area is Sonoma Horse Park and they do only hunters, hunters and jumpers. Do you know why that is? I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. And they don't have any covered rings either. So unfortunately, in the winter, it's pretty difficult. And in the spring too, they have to cancel some of the schooling shows because it gets rained out. So it would be amazing if we had something like that, but for dressage in this area. That yeah. would be incredible. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like your career is where you want it to be? For the moment, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a really, it's a good place at the, at this moment, as far as, you know, quantity of horses and workload, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I'll be 38 years old this year, which doesn't sound very old, but I've been doing this now for 22 years straight. Yeah. So to be able to bring it down to quality over quantity 
to be able to provide the service to the clients and to be able to provide the care and the individualized attention to these horses is what I've wanted to do for so long. And without knowing exactly how I can do it or if I deserved to be able to have this, you know, high quality situation or not, somehow it's been able to evolve to this place. So between that and doing some, some competition as well, without the focus, I mean, I love competing. I really do. Am I out there every weekend? Absolutely not. You know, and, and I have had a hiatus with my horse being out and, you know, and then of course bringing up some young horses to the point where they can go out and then, you know, some of the client horses that need brush ups on their upper level work. So kind of in a, in a state of like, I'm ready, I'm ready, but I'm not quite there. <laughs> so going out another month or two. So I'd like to kind of do a little bit more of that. I think that would be great. But where I am is, is wonderful. I'm, I'm thrilled with where I'm at right now. Not just in the business, but actually where I'm running my business. This barn is just, it's perfect. I can't imagine a better fit for me, yeah. for my clients, for my horses. Yeah. And most of your clients show as well? No, actually no. I have not a very, not a very competitive clientele. I only have a couple people that like to show. I like that. But even with dressage, a couple of, couple of my colleagues, they'll take five, six, seven, eight people out. Um, that stresses me out to no end. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. And if they don't do well, I don't do well, and I don't take that well. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. So I can only handle a couple of clients having a good or bad day at a time, in addition to trying and professionally competing my own horse and saying that a client horse. So I cap it at four. I'll take four to a show, and that's really all I can handle. So that's what I have. I have a brand new four horse head-to-head and so I take all my horses and uh, and then I have a couple of clients if they're going to show, they'll meet me there. But it's nice. Again, quality over quantity. It's not even necessary that quantity can't be quality. It's that I cannot, it's not what I enjoy yeah. is, is being there for that many people. Uh, I can't do that plus ride and show myself. And, and over the years, that's, that's just what I've had to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say you've yeah. learned this through experience because yes. you've tried all the things yeah. and yeah. tried busting your ass and it just exactly. didn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you do anything outside of the barn like hobbies? I have had so many hobbies over the years and I'd like to go back to one of mine because I am actually, I've had about a, probably about a year or two hiatus away from anything outside of the barn you know, as far as physical activities or whatnot. And that is very truly who I am as a person, as, as an athlete. So I, you know, I was a dancer, well, a gymnast when I was when I was small and then a dancer. I got into being a triathlete. I was a competitive triathlete for about six years. And that's the running, biking, swimming? Yes, okay. yes. It's it's the insanity uh, <laughs> sport. The swimming part would ruin me. <laughs> I can't was, even swim like a lap in a pool. I'm excellent in the water. Mm -hmm. I'm wonderful on the bike. I suck running. That's I, the one that I'd be like, okay, the bike, I can't ride a bike. Last yeah. time I rode one, I fell and oh. I haven't gotten back on. But So I, between you and I, we're like the perfect yeah. triathlete. Yeah, if I'm not a good runner, I just could do it. You just could do it. Well, then you're, you're doing better than me. <laughs> Um, but yeah. you would do those. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So one of the last ones I did was Vine Man. It was a 70.3, uh, so a half Ironman um, in this era in Sonoma County. Yeah. And what what is a full Ironman? Full Ironman is 140. 140.6 miles. And I was playing around with rock climbing and at that point I just focused my, uh, focused my attention on rock climbing. Mm -hmm. So both indoor sport and outdoor. 
and got really into that and I did that for a few years and got quite good but I noticed I was injuring hands and shoulders and stuff and I thought well you know I'm an athlete I'm a professional athlete as a horse trainer if I can't use my body because I've overdone it in a different sport that's going to be a problem yep so but I still the rock keeps calling back I really want <laughs> I really want to go back to rock climbing what's stopping you right now you know it was time and now it's not so nothing now creating a new pattern correct yeah yeah do you take a day off I do I take Sundays off yeah unless I'm showing but you know <laughs> yeah but like I said that's not a mass focus it's not like I'm out there nine months a year showing so I most most every Sunday I've gone off and then I would say probably a couple Saturdays a month as well um, so I like today I taught at Hunter Lane and that was a blast uh, and then I'll teach here as well and some of the hunter jumper uh, riders and jumper riders will take lessons with me and that's cool so, yeah yeah it's a good it's a good mix and it's a good balance yeah and do you have any other pets other than your horse I do I have two cats at home cool yeah what else is coming to mind what do you feel is the hardest thing about growing your business that you've experienced well Kind of like what I mentioned, I think this is, a, this is a hard industry because all of us young women and men get into horse training because we love horses. And I don't know any horse trainer that grew up going, I'm gonna teach lessons and work 100 hours a week and manage my own finances when I grow up. None of them. You don't even think about that part. You sure don't. <laughs> sure don't. You don't think of it as a business, you just think about riding and how much fun it is and you know the, the success and improvements you can make. But it's never it's never about running running a business and dealing with all of all of the stuff people just don't really want to do. What is the hardest part? I think that's it. I think transferring from being a rider to then being a coach, that's the other thing, is that those are two different jobs. People never talk about this. You know, oh, who's your trainer? My trainer is Jordan Rohana. Oh, who, but who rides your horse? Jordan Rohana. Oh, but who coaches you at shows? Jordan Rohana. Who, who, who hauls your horse to the shows? Jordan Rohana. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, that's a lot of jobs. Yeah. That's so many jobs. And that is really, it's really hard to learn how to manage time, to charge appropriately for, for things. You know, client management is, is really challenging. You know, keeping everybody happy without going out of your mind is really, really hard. And especially for people like myself who, who just want everybody to be happy. I want the horses to be happy and I want their program to be successful and enjoyable for them, but they don't pay the bills. You know, it's the people that are they're attached to, and I really want them to enjoy their their program and enjoy their educational process as well as far as riding. Finding a middle ground of not not going absolutely insane trying to manage all of that, but make all these people happy at the same time and still make money and be able to pay your rent and you know not be broke and not have to work until you're 94 years old and you know. So yeah. I think I think it's meshing your passion with business. That's gotta be the hardest part about this industry. Yeah. There are many hard parts. There's the politics and there's the drama and there's finding the right facility for you and learning how to, to you know, not take on bad clients, <laughs> not get hurt. And if you get hurt, you can't work, you can't work, you can't make money. All of these things are hard, but when it comes down to it, putting the passion and the business together, it, it's just, it's a, it's a learning process. Really, really challenging. Yeah. What is something you'd like to see evolve or change within the community? And then how can you, if you're not already, help with that change? Yeah. 
So one of the things that uh, I mentioned earlier that I, I think is, is really important is a colleague connection. So not necessarily a union, but something similar, you know, that we're all on the same page. And I, and I know that everybody's philosophy and approach to training and running a business is going to be different, but I think we, I, it, it's going to sound cliche, but I really think we're stronger together than apart. And I know that applies to the whole world, right? But when it comes to horse trainers, we work our butts off and we get so focused on the day-to-day, -day, in the trenches, gotta get, you know, gotta get everything done, gotta make everybody happy, gotta be able to make a living, that we just disconnect from our personal lives, we disconnect from friendships, and we disconnect from each other. And there's a lot of like, you know, trainer stuff, like, oh, you know, that, that, we don't talk to that trainer because she's a woo, whatever, fill in the blank. But in reality, you reach out to these people and say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with figuring out how to manage this client who has high expectations, but this is what's going on with her horse, and I've said this, this, and this. How do you handle that? Have you ever had a situation like that? What would you do in this situation? And, and the times in the last year that I've reached out to two, three, four people, they've come back and been like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called. I dealt with that last year with this person and da 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 da, da and this is how I dealt with it. This is, this is the outcome. This is how my life is better. There's my advice. And I go, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And then lo and behold, a week later, they text and they go, hey, what do you charge for? <laughs> you opened the door to yes, them. Yeah. How yeah, that positive yeah. communication. So I would, I would like to see that happen more. It takes a little bit of time. It takes, it takes you, it takes you not working 10, 12 hours a day and then just going home and going to bed and doing it over again. It takes in the middle of the day, shoot off that text, call somebody at the end of the day. Hey, I know it's seven o'clock. You're probably just done riding your last horse or whatever, but I just wanted to say hi. I know you're right down the road and you know, we've maybe seen each other a couple of times at a horse show or two, but I just want to say hi, you know, <laughs> you ever want to get together or, you know, just talk business or whatever. So as soon as I started opening that door, I swear to God, it was just, it opened up this, you know, this energy. And I had people contacting me just for random, random things. Some to just say hi. Some others said, hey, you know, we have a friend in common and I was having this issue. And they said, you should talk to Jordan about that. And I went, oh, I'm so glad you called. I, I absolutely have thoughts on that. I'd be happy to share. You know, the other thing about that too is that there's, you know, there's so much about this community. It's it's big, but it's also quite small. There are times where people are interested in moving their business to another facility. They don't know anything about or taking on a client they don't know anything about. And they, they 